Good morning. We've been talking about how the character of the king determines what it's like in their kingdom. I, I don't want to be in that guy's kingdom, frankly. Not quite sure. I think it's going to be pretty chaotic in there till he figures some things out. Um, what we've been doing in this message series, we've called it the government with no end, because in Isaiah 9, 6, and 7, uh, it's talking about Jesus, who was to be born uh, 700 years later, and there, it's, it's using throne names, which in ancient kings, uh, they, they would have a throne, and uh, their titles, they would put titles up that would destri- describe their characteristics, their character. And so we've been looking at these titles, these throne names, in order to figure out what it's like in the kingdom that Jesus rules. It's a spiritual kingdom, and it has no end. We find out in Isaiah 9, 6, and 7. It's a kingdom uh, with no end to it. And so we're looking at what Isaiah said, then we're fast-forwarding to seeing the fulfillment in the New Testament, and from that and some other passages today, we're going to learn how we benefit from that. If you're investigating what it means to follow Christ, if you're checking that out, then today you'll, you'll find out who he is, what he's like, and begin to hear about some things that uh, occur in his kingdom and, and what he's like. He is, he's a good God. We serve a good God. Jesus wants the best for us. But even if a king wants the best, he needs the power. He needs to have the power to bring it about. If he wants to do good by you, he needs the power. So today we're going to look at one title that reveals to us that Jesus is the mighty God who has the power to accomplish his plan and purpose. He doesn't just want good for us, but he has the power to do it. Isaiah 9, 6 and 7 says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. And the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor. Here here are the titles, the throne names. Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. Upon the throne of David and over his kingdom, to order it and establish it with judgment and justice from that time forward, even forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. Jesus is the king of a kingdom that is ever-expanding and increasing. Of the increase of his kingdom, there is no end. It's going to keep expanding on into eternity. It's expanding, and it's spiritual now, and it's not completely realized from our vantage point. It's, It's not complete. But what God is doing, you find in Scripture, what he's doing is... He is guiding history. He is working behind the scenes of history, what we see happening in the world through the rulers, the Kim Kim Jong-ils of the world, President Barack Obama, through the different rulers, the different heads of state. He is is working through all of history to bring it to a certain conclusion. And at the conclusion of history, you find that every knee is going to bow and every tongue is going to confess that Jesus is Christ. That's what God is doing in the world. We just sang about that. 
We sang about the kingdom being fully realized. The rulers of the earth will bow before your throne. The nations you have made will worship you alone. That's where history is headed. The throne name that we're looking at today is Mighty God. God is not only wise. Last week we looked at the fact that one of his names is Counselor. And he is the one who knows the ways of God and the counsel of God from all eternity, from the very beginning. And so he, he offers that to us. He is also mighty. You, you not only need a king who is wise, but a king who has the power to do what he intends to do. Jesus is both of those. He is wise and powerful. He's not a frail, God is not a frail grandfather type who wants good for his grandkids, but can't make it happen. He, he's good and wise and powerful. We need a ruler like that. We need someone who's guiding our lives, who's ruling our lives to help us find what he wants to do. We need someone who can execute the wise plans that they have. And that's, that's what this passage is telling us about Jesus. We want, we want a king who knows best and has the ability to bring the best to reality, the good that he wants. One without the other, wisdom or power without the other is not, is not helpful, it's not beneficial. <clears throat> this king that Isaiah described has the power to prevail over his enemies and ours. And we all have an enemy, Scripture tells us, who is trying to take us down, the devil, Satan. And uh, this king has the power to help us win that battle. There's a spiritual dimension to all our struggles. There's a spiritual aspect. We tend to rule that out. We don't think about that normally in our culture. We don't think about the spiritual battle. But this king gives us what we need to win that. And we're going to see some, some... evidence of his power and how he's guiding history. Here's the amazing thing. This child was born for us, for our benefit. This son was given for our benefit. That's the sense of that first phrase of the passage word. For unto us this child is, is born. For unto us the son is given. In his kindness, God uh, sent his son Jesus Christ to be born to benefit us. So now we we can find uh, what we need in him. We can we can experience the power that he has in our own lives. And we we need power. We have power bogs. I do. I have power bogs. When I, in 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 family life, at work, at school. I just hit the point where I'm the end. I'm just, oh, you know, my power is shutting down. I need help. I need power source somewhere to do right, to do, to do what needs to be done. I need help for that. And there's a lot of promise from God that we can find that power in him. And we're going to look at how today. The last sentence of this passage tells us that the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. He, God is going to do this. And one thing I figured out as I follow God for a few decades now um, is that what God wants to do, he does. That's what happens in the world. When God wants it to be done, it happens. And you can trust him to do what he says he's going to do. And, and in the birth of Jesus, the birth of this king, we see his power and his identity as God's guiding history. 
and working through it uh, to bring his purpose and plan into reality. Uh, many people read the Bible and they think it's, it's well-written, great stories, but they sort of put the stories of the Bible in the category of legend or myth, legends to learn from, or good stories to, to draw a moral out of. But that's not the perspective of the Scripture. Jesus rules over a spiritual kingdom that we can get into because he stepped into history. We can get into the kingdom because he stepped into history. God himself was born so that he could meet us where we're at, connect with us, show us who God is and how to, how to connect with him and lead us into a relationship with him. And so there is, there is, no, there is no myth to what you read in Scripture. It's actual history. That's the perspective of the Bible. Um, in the history of the world at large, and in our own personal histories, as people make choices, God is working behind the scenes to weave in his purpose and his plan to make it come about. And we can see this. We can see the rule of God over the world and the power of God to perform this, as Isaiah promised, in Jesus' birth. Let's look at Luke 2, 1 through 7. And it came to pass... In those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. The census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. So all went to be registered, everyone to his own city. Joseph also went up to, from Galilee, out of the city of Nazareth, into Judea, into the city of David, which was called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. So it was that while we were there, the days were while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in the manger because there was no room for for them in the inn. Um, if I saw this taking place and my wife asked me what was going on, I'd say, Joseph and Mary went to Bethlehem and they had a baby. Yeah, that's what I would have, that's what I reported. I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have added all this in because I'm not that detailed. All of these details are written in this passage for a particular reason. We, we have it laid out because we find that Jesus was born during the reign of Augustus Caesar. And this is in the Gospels so that we're aware this is ordinary history. Jesus stepped into our history, our world. It's an actual event that we can look back on and refer to and investigate and check out. Now, during the reign of Augustus Caesar, Caesar Augustus, this was the Pax Romana. This was the zenith of Roman culture and uh, of Roman conquest. And so the Bible, what the Bible says about the birth of Christ is it happened in the fullness of time. It happened at just the right time. And that word fullness, when it uses that word, it's like pouring water into a glass that spills over. When it started spilling over, it was just the right time for Jesus to be born. And the reason is this. In the Roman world, there were two things that really enabled the word about Jesus and who he was to get out to the known world at the time. There were Roman roads. They had a system of roads that were amazing. 
They built these roads uh, for armies to move from one place to the other to uh, enable them to conquer and control and dominate the world. So they built this system of roads, and they also had a postal system. Some of those roads, by the way, are still in existence today. That's how good it was. A couple thousand years later, the roads are still there. It was an ingenious system of roads. They also built a postal system that was very efficient. And the guy I was reading that was talking about this, he said, you know, our, our, the U.S. Postal Office might learn something from their system. I don't know. I didn't say that. But anyway, those two things, if you work for the post office, sorry. I, <laughs> that was not an intended slam. That's what he said. Um, but anyway, there were two things, the system of roads and the postal system. Jesus was born at the zenith of Roman history when things were at, they were at the pinnacle. And during this time, his story could travel easily to the rest of the known world through the roads and the postal system. We read the New Testament. The New Testament is mostly comprised of letters that traveled through the postal system that people carried on these roads. And so the word about Jesus could, could spread rapidly. And in this you see the government of God over history. You see his, his power to rule as ordinary history is taking place, but at just the right time, he has Jesus born and steps into the world <clears throat> when his story could get to the known world at the time. From time to time, the Roman government would take a census. It says that this was taken during the, the reign of Caesar Augustus. And the, when, when the government took a census, when the Roman government took a census, no matter where you were living at the time, you had to travel to your birthplace to register. And so Joseph and Mary, who was bursting at the seams pregnant, had to travel, not by car, not by train, not by plane. They had to travel across the desert to Bethlehem to be registered. And that's where Jesus was born. That event fulfilled a prophecy in Micah Five. Micah 5 in the Old Testament prophesies that the Messiah is going to be born in Bethlehem. So here's Caesar Augustus. He makes a decree. He comes up with an idea. We need to have a census. We need to register everyone. He unknowingly is, is playing a role in fulfill, fulfilling a prophecy that was spoken several hundred years before the birth of Christ. This is how God works. This is typical. Behind the political power of Caesar was the transcendent providence of God. That's what we call providence of God. How life is happening, ordinary events are going on, but behind the scenes, God is working out his plan and his purpose. You see that in the birth of Christ. Prophecy is very important. If you're investigating Christianity, it's an important thing to look into because prophecy is God's method of self-authentication. This is how you know he's God. Somebody says something centuries before the event occur, occurs, and then the event occurs like it was prophesied in the Old Testament. That's how you know God is, is real. That's how you can... That's a, 
a, a verifiable historical way that you can dig in and find out that Christianity is really true. There are an unbelievable amount of Old Testament prophecies that were fulfilled in Jesus' life. It just couldn't, it just couldn't have happened by accident. So in this, in ordinary history, in the middle of it, you can see how God is working to fulfill his promises and his prophecies, and we can trace his work to do that. We can check it out. We can check him out, and we can find out that he is who he says. So God is working and allows Rome to rise, to reach its zenith, so that Jesus would be born, live, die, and raised in the Roman world at the time, and so that the word of his salvation could go out to the rest of the known world. So we see God's wisdom and his power in the story of Christmas. It's there. The amazing thing about God is this, this baby was born for our benefit. He was born to help us. And so not only do we read about the mighty God, the one who has the power to do these kinds of things, but he wants you and I to be able to tap into that power. He, he wants us to be able to experience it and live it out in the way that we do things. He wants to help us accomplish his purpose and plan in our life as we learn to draw strength from him and as, as we learn to connect with him. God gives strength to those who hope in him. That's what we're going to look at. We're going to look at mainly Isaiah 40, a passage that was written to God's people, Israel, who were conquered by the Babylonians. In, in, the, in the time that this prophecy was written, they had been conquered by the Babylonians. They were in exile to Babylon. And they had concluded from that event that since the Babylonians conquered us, then their gods, their man-made false gods, must be more powerful than ours. So they were concluding this. And, and this passage is written to the people of Israel at this time when it would seem like the Babylonian gods were more powerful. This is what God says, Isaiah 40, 25-31. To whom will you con- compare me? Or who is my equal, says the Holy One? Lift your eyes and look to the heavens. Who created all these? He who brings out the starry host one by one and calls them each by name. Because of his great power and mighty strength, not one of them is missing. Interesting thing is, even in Babylon, the Israelites, they were under the same sky. They could look up to the sky and they could get a sense of the majesty of the God who made them. We can look at these. I love, I love this time of year when you can see the mountains. Most of the time you can't. <laughs> but we can look out the, the, these, these doors, these windows, and see the beauty of the world that God has made. And this, we can gain a sense of majesty from what God has done in creating. We, we get a sense of his power. Because of his great power and mighty strength, not one of the stars is missing. Because of his great power and mighty strength, these mountains exist and they're in place. And snow falls, gathers on the top, trickles down, and we benefit from the way God has wired things together to allow life on this earth. So that's what he says to the people who are beginning to think that maybe these man-made gods are more powerful than our God. No one compares to me. 
Why do you say, O Jacob, and complain, O Israel? My way is hidden from the Lord. My cause is disregarded by my God. This is how we, we are. When things get difficult, we wonder where God is. Is he paying attention? Have we stepped out of his view? Have we become hidden from him? Does he know what's going on? In the middle of a difficult chapter in our lives, it's very easy to, to think and feel that we've been tossed aside by God. We've been set aside. He's not paying attention. He's let it go. But God is paying attention. And we need to trust him as he writes the ending to our story. As he, as he writes the ending to the chapter and the story of our lives. We need to wait on him, we find in the rest of this passage. Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary, and his understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. These words, youths and young men, they're the most select specimens of the human race in any group. These are like the, the, the strongest young warriors. You know, we used to say when I was playing football, that guy's an animal. You know, he's just an animal. And that meant, you know, dude is strong, powerful. He, he can take you down. And now I think they say the dude's a beast. That guy, man, what a beast. I've heard that a few times. I'm a little out of it at my age, but that's what I've heard. Now, anyway, quite a specimen. You know, this, this is just quite a specimen. Well, that's who it's talking about. Even they get tired and grow weary. They run out of strength. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. Here is the key. God is powerful. He's the mighty God. He's, Jesus has been born for our benefit. Here's the key to tapping into that power. You put your hope in God. Not anything else. Not anyone else. No way, shape, or form. You put your hope in Him. On no one else on earth. Not in yourself. Not in anything else. Here's a question. When you face difficult times, these people, Israelites, they were in difficult times. When you face difficult times, you're going to depend on someone, something, or yourself to get through it. Who are you depending on when you hit the rough spots in your life? That reveals where your hope is. Better translation is those who wait on God. The word hope can be translated wait. Those who wait on God, those who put their hope in him, you're waiting on him to come through. doesn't mean that you're just sitting there waiting for God to do something. A farmer realizes that God's not going to plow and God's not going to plant. You do what you know to do, and you wait for God to come through and to give you the strength to fulfill his purpose, to give you the power you need to fulfill his purpose. We, we, what we tend to do, all of us, we run to man-made idols. We run, we run to our own way of coping. We run to someone else or something else. And we depend on that to get us through. I was walking 
And many times when I'm walking, I'm listening to music, but this time I wasn't. I was thinking about things. And I was walking kind of for exercise. And I was thinking about music and how many times God's given music. It's great. I love a lot of all kinds of music. I really do. I, I, I love it. But it's easy because music has this ability to affect your soul, affect you deeply on the inside. It's easy to, to have a song that means something to you from the past, it brings up, or it brings up nostalgic feelings. And then when you're going through a difficult period, you run to the song. You plug and play, hoping that you can get through this. And you're leaning on the song, not on God. If you've decided to follow God, there's nothing wrong with music. But if you've decided to follow God, you run to God. And you depend on him. You put your hope in him. You don't put your hope in the, in the music that you want to hear, but you put your hope in God. The music can be, anything be, can become a man-made, even Christian music. You can plug and play that to try to feel better about the situation. But you want to run to God. We do this with all kinds of things. We do this with working out. You know, we work out so we'll feel better about ourselves. So, so our self-image is strong. We work, there's nothing wrong with working out. I could use a little more of it, let's face it. But, but you, you work out to stay healthy. You trust God to give you what you need. Sometimes he's going to use music to give you the lift you need, to give you the strength you need to get through something. Sometimes he's going to use people to do that. But I don't run to someone to help me when I haven't checked with God. God, I need your help here. I'm running out of gas. I need power. I need help. I need strength. I'm going to go to you to help me with this. Rather than go to the people, God first wants us to go to him and then look for ways that he's going to bring his goodness about, the good he wants to do in our hearts about. If if we go to these other things, they get twisted. Our, our perspective gets distorted. They're, they're man-made idols. And if uh, what we're depending on in difficult times reveals who we're trusting in, and that's what Isaiah is trying to get at. He's, he's trying to show us that those who hope in God have an endless supply of power. If you hope in someone or something else or yourself, it's a hollow strength. Might help for a while, for, for a few moments, but it dries up. God will give us strength and help with certain things. You find in Scripture that he gives the strength to fulfill his purpose. In 2 Timothy 4, Paul's talking about the time he gave a defense. He was defending his faith. And he said that the Lord stood by his side and strengthened him to do that. God, God's going to, to hope in God means that you ask him, you set your heart on his plan and purpose for your life, and you stay flexible to that on a daily basis, and God gives you hope and help and strength to do that. He doesn't give you power to fulfill plans that don't line up with his. And that's how we find out what God's all about. We think through, we set plans, we make our plans, but God directs our steps, and he fulfills the plans that line up with his. God gives strength to win the battle at hand. As I said before, there's a spiritual dimension to every difficulty we face. And Jesus gives the power to defeat our spiritual enemies. He gives the the strength and the power to overcome weakness. 
There's a paradox. As you learn to walk through life with God, there's a paradox. Whenever you and I are at our weakest, God is at his strongest. If in the weakness we turn to him and depend on him to help us with it. God gives us the strength to be content. Philippians 4, uh, Paul's talking about how he deals with plenty and want, hunger and, and how, how in the good times and the bad times, when there's a lot and when there's a little, he makes it. He does all things through Christ who strengthens us. If we look at God through our circumstances, which is what the Israelites were doing in Isaiah, if we look at him through our circumstances, he seems very small. But if we look at our circumstances from God's vantage point, they shrink down to size. And we can walk ahead with hope as we depend on God to give us what we need to make it through. Start with hope in God, and he will give you the power. He will give you the strength you need to deal with your circumstances. He'll give you the power and help because he, he is a good God who rules over us to bring about good to those who love him and get in line with his purposes. We'll be taking our offering in a few minutes. And again, I want to thank you for your generous giving. That's how we do what we do here. But first, I'd like to ask you to consider how God might want you to respond to this message. I've suggested some next steps here. There may be some others that you want to take as a result of hearing the message. Maybe God's spoken to you about taking another step. But here are some suggestions. First of all, memorize Jeremiah 32:17. I didn't refer to this in the message, but this is a passage I have memorized that helps me to remember God is powerful. I can trust him to help me with what I'm dealing with. Jeremiah 32, 17. Ah, sovereign Lord, you made the heavens and the earth by your great power and outstretched arm. Nothing is too hard for you. So that would be a good thing to memorize. Uh, second step, I will put my hope in God this week and nothing else. Maybe you've been leaning on someone else. Maybe you've been uh, leaning on something else besides God or yourself. You've just been, oh, I'm in this tough circumstance and I'm just going to gut it out by the strength I have. I'm going to stop doing that and put my hope in God. I'm going to trust him for the help he brings. And then finally, I'm asking God for strength for uh, you fill in the blank. Fulfilling his purpose, overcoming weakness, winning the battle at hand, being content, whatever it is. That's, that's my next thing. I am going to ask God for strength. I'm going to depend on him. Nothing, no one else but him. So those are some steps, steps you could take as a result of hearing the message this morning. Uh, we'll be taking our offering in a little bit. We'll be receiving it. I'd like to just remind you that we're uh, receiving our Christmas offering from now through the next month just to give you an opportunity to pray over and prepare for the offering this year's offering, 40%, is going to stay here in this area, and we're going to help out Christian Challenge at SC with some specific things. 30% is going to go to uh, some members of ours in Central Asia to help them with their work. 30% is going to go to World Missions, and the details are on that, that envelope. But pray over that, think it through, and um, give over the next month as, as God leads you. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for the truth that we find in your word and, more importantly, the reality 
that you are ruling over this universe, over this world, and, and over the lives of those who've given you control and even those who haven't. God, you're, you're, you're working in our personal history to bring about your plan. And Father, help us to trust you. Help us to put our hope in you and to wait on you and to uh, watch as you work your goodness and your blessing into the lives of us as we choose to uh, live for you. Help us, God, to take the steps that you've laid on our hearts to take and bring honor to you and glory to you. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen.